To learn more about how James can support you and your organisation with social media research, email the team at intelligence.unit at james.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of our podcast. I'm Mark Wilson and I'm a member of the Jane's Intelligence Unit. Now on recent podcasts we've been looking at researching fringe online communities and today we're going to continue that theme by looking at the incel or involuntary celibate community. Here to help us try to understand this community a little bit better is Nama Cates. Nam is an investigative journalist who has been taking a deep dive into this uh, world of incels for some time now, particularly with her podcast, uh, which goes by the name Incel. Nama, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. So I was thinking maybe to get us uh, kicked off on this topic. Could you give us an insight into you know, some of the key ideas of this world and, and talk a little bit about what individuals in, in this community believe? Sure. Well, for starters, I appreciate you referring to it as a community. Um, sometimes that is, you know, in, instead it's called either a movement or um, a group or a gang or an ideology. And while it might be any of those things, there's some sort of dispute over that. But community, it definitely is. So um, they are a community. As you said, they are involuntary celibates. So they're men overwhelmingly, almost entirely. Most of them don't believe that women can be involuntarily celibate, um, and mostly young men, but that ranges, who are unable to have sexual or romantic relationships despite trying and wanting them. The group is sort of started to really form over the past five years. I would say it started to really kind of gain popularity and momentum and, and stickiness um, you talked about the language and their sort of lexicon being unique, and I would say that is definitely one of the kind of characteristics of the group that I found interesting was their their terms and their language. Um, and it's kind of, in my opinion, uh, an internet phenomenon. So they don't meet up in person. There aren't any uh, physical IRL incel cells, so to speak. Um, I wouldn't say that they have you know, any kind of real leadership, though there might be hubs or kind of popular figures here and there. And yeah. unlike other kind of extremist groups that you might talk about, like jihadis or far right-wing extremists or left-wing extremists, um, they don't have, you know, uh, a defined political goal. I don't think most of them have political goals at all. Um, they believe in something called the black pill, which yeah. is a term that you may come across, you know, red pill and blue pill. Um, those come from the, the matrix, you know, the blue pill being like the this world theory and the red pill being the harsh truths. So there's there's a black pill as well as a red red pill and a, and, and a blue pill, right? Okay. Yeah. So the red, just, just in case anyone's wondering out there in terms of these different uh, pills and, and, and what they mean to various different online communities. So... The red pill. I mean, I mean, I've seen mention of the red pill in a, in a in a far right context, right? I mean, it kind of references the idea that you know, if, if you if you take the red pill, if you believe in the red pill, you suddenly you know see the the reality of the world around around you. You know, whether that's from a from a far right context or or, or whatever, depending upon the online communities that, that's talking about that. Is that is that a similar kind of meaning in in an incel context? Yeah, uh, it is. 
um, it's the red pill, but it's kind of a step further, in my opinion, um, where the red pill is, I guess, prescriptive or the idea is that if you see this reality and then you behave in certain ways, you can kind of gain advantage or you can kind of manipulate it somehow, according to red pill beliefs. The black pill is sort of more defeatist and it's kind of very depressive, cynical, hopeless. Um, the way that incels would describe the black pill is just a collection of studies that point to truths about human nature, mostly about mating habits and things like that, and studies from dating apps and studies about, uh, you know, people that are considered more attractive, doing better financially, et cetera, things like this, a lot from evolutionary psychology. Um, yeah. These make up sort of the black pill. And the main thesis is just that people are lookist, women especially are lookist, that they judge very harshly based on physical appearance and that that determines you know where one ends up in life so just from looking a little bit about some of the terms that, are, that appear to be used by elements of this community I, I hear other other terms such as chads or or stasis and these i mean correct me if i'm wrong these are kind of references in the eyes of incels right references to particular men or or particular women in 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 their view is is that correct i mean could you kind of help us understand the meaning behind some of those terms yeah so uh, a chad is an attractive top tier man an alpha male um usually they'll rank people on looks on a scale of one to ten so yeah. a nine or a ten male um chads a lot of incels believe that they you know don't suffer that their lives are exceedingly easy that they have no worries or concerns um and that only only chads you know kind of get almost all of female attention and you know everything below that is either a normie um normal person that can also be used to just refer to someone who's not an incel or who's blue-pilled you know who doesn't know about this stuff yeah. um or an incel <laughs> And for women, a Stacy is kind of the equivalent of a, of a chat. It's a very attractive nine or ten um, female. Uh, they talk about Beckys sometimes, and these are considered maybe a bit less conventionally attractive, um, but still deemed desirable by incels. Uh, maybe sometimes more feminist or intellectual uh, yeah. presenting female. And then there's all sorts of other very disparaging terms for things lower than that. Sure, sure. So your podcast on this topic, I mean, I've listened to to a few episodes and it's it's fantastic. So I recommend anybody out there to uh, to check it out. We'll we'll uh, provide you with the links uh, at the end of the podcast for anyone who's listening. But in your podcast, Nama, um, how did you come about beginning to, to to kind of want to research this uh, this community? I mean, how did that? How did your interest in in this topic start? Um, I think it was rather happenstance. The way I remember it, though, my deeper reasons for connecting to it are still still things I'm figuring out. I guess. Um, right. I was just really really enjoying podcasts at the time. I was listening to a lot of true crime podcasts. And I've always kind of been interested in storytelling in that way. And I found the medium of audio storytelling to be very 
exciting and intimate and also practical. And around the same time, I was introduced to this topic here and there. There was a TV show, Law & Order SVU, that mentioned in cells. And it kind of, you know, it just stuck out to me. I guess the language, like we've mentioned before, is part of what interested me, that they have this unique language. I was coming across comments about them here and there. This was like three years ago, maybe even a little bit more than that. So there wasn't nearly as much um, out there. And and then I also uh, ended up talking to someone uh, casually over social media that turned out to be an incel. I just found it really interesting. Wow. I started looking into the subject and saw that there really wasn't wasn't very much written about it. And uh, I was recording our conversations and that I found them interesting to listen back to. And that's how it came about. So would you say that your research into, into this community is, I mean, because you said earlier, didn't you, that it's, it, it, you feel primarily it's, a, it's an online uh, community, but yet your research, I guess, is, is partly based online, isn't it? But also partly through speaking to individuals within this community themselves. Is, is, that, a, is that a fair assessment, would you say? Definitely. Uh, The main theme of the podcast and uh, the main focus of my research is through speaking to incels themselves. Um, Early on, as I was looking into it, I decided to try and and reach out to some authors of certain posts and things online, you know, and it took a little detective work sometimes to get to get to them. Um, I found their writing often very engaging, very intelligent very funny after a while even yeah i was enjoying spending time on these forums um <laughs> and uh <laughs> when you know when i sort of made the first contact with um an incel on the grounds of you know being someone that was researching the community their response to me was this really long um articulate email back and they agreed to, to talk on the phone so that was that was the beginning of it and now i've i've spoken to hundreds of them wow okay so from what you're, you're what you're describing there, um, you know we, we're talking about this this incel uh, community, aren't we? And now there are individuals within this community in, in the past, haven't there, that have actually, well, maybe represent would you say a more violent edge to the community? You know, there's been individuals in the in the U.S. and, and Canada, hasn't there, that have kind of taken forward. Uh, violence or commit violence in in the name of a you know what they what some of them may have seen as an incel worldview perhaps um could you tell us a bit more about the, the you know the i guess the the violent fringe of this of this community because i'm i want to kind of caveat that with the with the point that i guess you know the, the vast majority of this community is, is not violent right i mean but nevertheless there is there is a violent fringe. Could you kind of just sketch that out for us, the, the, that, that violent fringe for us? Um, sure. So that's another thing that the, kind of the more you look into it, the more complicated it becomes. Um, right. The violence, the association between incels and, and violence or as sort of domestic terrorists begins in 2014 with Elliot Roger, um, who was a 22-year-old, you know, recently dropped out college student um, and he committed an attack in Isla Vista, California at the Santa Barbara uh, campus, the college where he went. Um, He ended up killing six people and then himself. And there was a lot of media attention on that case. 
um, that was the first time that the term incel sort of came into the public sphere. And he wrote a long manifesto that most incels are familiar with, My Dark Twisted World. It's like 150 pages, um, kind of well-written, really lists sort of every grievance he's ever had and is very, you know, a lot of narcissistic injuries and slights in there about how he could never get a girlfriend and how unfair that was. Um, I have my own theories about him and about that, but he is kind of, to make a, an analogy with, you know, terrorism, um, most sort of movements have a, a charismatic father of a movement. <clears throat> and I'd say that Elliot Roger could be considered that, though he was not... Um, that movement as it is today didn't exist at the time. He personally didn't hang out on a ton of, you know, really incel fora and other places on Reddit and things like that he did. But he has become associated with incels. And some people, I think, usually wrongly believe that he's celebrated in the incel community. You know, they have kind of a term go er about going on a rampage and what's um, what does that mean go er so er his initials you know right. er um people will refer to to saint elliot referring right. to him or they'll, they'll say go er which is mostly as they would call it it's usually said ironically it's a meme okay. it just means go on a rampage um and a lot of them do this with the knowledge that journalists, researchers, people in counterterrorism and in law enforcement are watching. Normies are looking, and it's just to be shocking. I got a lot of that. Very few of them actually either approve of or um, espouse violence. But some of them will say that they just understand understand it or understand how he felt the way he did and why he felt the way he did. So his act was followed by another one a year later. Uh, Chris Harper Mercer. He was another one in Oregon who also wrote kind of a manifesto, killed people on a college campus. And then every year following that, there has been some incident that's been related in some way or other to this ideology. But the associations aren't always um, very uh, strong, I would say. Got it. Um, In terms of, you mentioned a couple of platforms there as well that... um individuals in this community can frequent. I mean, are there specific areas online where this community gathers? Um, and I guess the kind of a sub-question within that would be, do does the violent fringes of this community occupy the same areas online as the rest of the community? Yes, um, I do. Uh, they used to hang out on Reddit, mostly. The first really popular incel kind of forum was uh, a subreddit called r slash incels and that was banned as a result of what reddit moderators kind of saw as glorification of the las vegas shooting even though that was not an incel that was a anti-government you know kind of nut (laughs) so anyway reddit banned this community um as a result of you know what they saw as a glorification of that attack and that led to the biggest forum for incels right now, which is incels.co. Um, that, that was formed sort of as a what the moderator and kind of creator of that site would call like a refuge from Reddit and from what he believes is censorship. Um, 
I talked to people from that forum, the administrators, the moderators, a lot on my show. Um, that's the biggest one. It has some 10,000 active members. There are other smaller ones. The Reddits, they still had subreddits up until pretty recently, but a lot of them have been banned recently. You know, this can be a segue just for me to mention the yeah. Alec Manassian case, um, which went to trial in Canada. That was uh, in Toronto. And that was um, 2018, a vehicle ramming attack. So that was the other, I would say, very prominent incel attack. So they they don't meet up on the, the dark web. It is, you know, on the open web. But whereas they used to meet up on places like Reddit and Facebook, they've been sort of banned and permitted from having little meet spaces there now. So mostly they create their own websites and they find um, host web hosting and web security companies that are open to working with more controversial sites like Gab and these kinds of places. They deal with a lot of uh, calls for censorship, you know, I, I guess, understandably. Um, but it is open to, to the public. Um, and I wouldn't say that there are specific violent uh, fringes that get together and meet up. You know, um, from what I know, all of the attackers were not actually active posters or, you know, popular sort of figures in their communities um, leading up to their attacks. They were what they would call lurkers. You know, they would read the content and not really comment on it. So, Got it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, is, is there any um, evidence of those individuals who have who've committed attacks, you know, based on uh, this worldview? Is there any evidence of them communicating with each other online? No. There isn't right. any evidence of that. Um, Manassian is, you know, he's one of the few that didn't end up taking his own life, um, possibly because it was in Canada and he didn't have access to a firearm. Um, so this is an example of someone that we um, can actually, you know, talk about and, uh, you know, get information about in the aftermath. He claimed in his interrogation to have communicated directly with uh, Elliot Roger and Chris Harper Mercer, but um, those claims are very uh, unlikely to be true. You know, they don't really make sense time-wise, and he sort of got the platforms wrong. So there's there's absolutely no evidence that they communicate with each other at all. Got it. Now, you mentioned there a little bit about um, some of the the incel-related subreddits being being banned, etc. I'm just wondering, as someone who is researching this this topic is have online crackdowns on on sections of the incel community for example have have they provided you with any kind of impediments to your own online research or by the same token you know if you you kind of already touched upon it there a little bit you know when say for example you have an online crackdown and then the you know an element of the community moves to another social media platform that perhaps is a little bit more difficult to access, a little bit more closed, perhaps. Um, does that also present you with any any kind of uh, barriers, or do you just follow them down uh, various different uh, rabbit holes? Um, what, what's your thoughts on, on that? Personally, I find that the crackdowns make it, they do make it a bit more difficult. Um, you can follow them down the rabbit holes, as I try to do, and if you sort of know enough 
people in those communities, they can point you in the direction of, you know, um, another platform, another screen name, something like that, and you might eventually be able to get to these folks. Um, but when it's not on a platform like Reddit or, um, uh, you know, one of the more kind of mainstream ones like Facebook, where there's an identity very sort of firmly associated with an account name, it is more difficult to do. Um, there was one, uh, I, I don't, this person's not an incel actually, he was kind of a, a bad actor in the community who was recently arrested for kidnapping a, a child. Um, and he would go on the incels.co forum and places on Reddit a lot and talk as an incel and sort of post pro um, pedophilia material. I don't know what he would get out of doing this with incels, but I guess, you know, he kind of would manage to recruit them over to his own little sites that he would create. And when he'd make these sites, they would use very strange suffixes like dot fun or, you know, um, dot SUI. And there would be a lot of little ones that would kind of disappear and pop up again almost overnight. And they were small. And it was really hard to keep track of which of these were, you know, him and who was who. So I think it makes it more difficult. So in terms of what you see online, Nala, do you see any links between the incel worldview and um, other violent ideologies online? Do you see any kind of overlaps between um, kind of different different communities online? What's what's your view on that? Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of overlap. Um, I think some of it is kind of inherent in a way to the um, type of person that would be drawn to um, any of these extremist movements. You know, um, there's certain, I guess, characterological propensities to think in black and white ways, to want to rank things, to be uh, anti-authoritarian and feel like an outcast. Um, some degree of misogyny also, um, some degree of anti-progressivist kind of streaks. Yeah, so there's certain sort of um, uh, personality traits that I would say are, are common to all of these groups, um, jihadis and, you know, far right-wingers and incels might all have kind of a traditionalist streak. You know, they think that modern society is is hell and is uh, the cause for a lot of their, you know, their, their, their grievances have to do with kind of their circumstances and modernity, right? So right. all of these would lend themselves to a certain type of thinking. Um, I also think that there's a certain internet culture, a way of being shocking and trolling that came about with all of these movements that originated with sites like 4chan and a lot of the, the language that they use kind of evolved, you know, mutually. So there are certain commonalities that just exist for that reason. Beyond that, I do think that um, there is some recruitment in a way that happens, that happens on in, in incel spaces by maybe members of other kind of movements. So there's one interview that I have, or it's a, a two, two episode arc with an incel named Bummer Drummer, who moved from being 
a jihadi to a uh, white nationalist to an incel in the space of three years. And yes, all of these were, um, you know, only online. They were online identities. This is a very isolated person. Uh, he said he was initially kind of recruited into the jihadi group from um, a gaming platform, um, Steam, and that it was just, I guess, a place that he found community, even though he had been raised in an evangelical Christian household. Um, he tired of that at one point or lost contact with, you know, um, one of his friends there and somehow moved into the white ethno state. The founder of this group died and then he was over it, as he said, and he found incels. So, you know, there's this cult hopping that happens. Um, and then I think incels are sort of, um, they're kind of an ideal space for recruitment because these are lonely, angry, frustrated young men who already feel that they have nothing to lose and who feel very isolated and don't feel or experience a lot of pro-social ties um, or coping strategies. So it's, I would say, maybe easier to recruit someone who already has this type of, of thinking into a movement like that you start to see um, some crossover in terms of the terminology I've recently seen. So the, the incels already use a lot of terminology from, you know, right-wing extremists. They also use some from uh, jihadis. You know, there, there are threads about uh, Islamist cells. They talk about Sharia or, or white Sharia. Um, they romanticize the past and think that, uh, you know, women would have been more subservient. Um, and so they already use a lot of that terminology. And I've recently started to see right-wing groups use terms like Chad and, um, and Normie and incel. So they get some of the language from there now too. So it kind of goes back and forth. There are sort of porous boundaries. So yeah, perhaps indications of different communities influencing each other with ideas and terms. That Yeah, that, that's really interesting. Um, Coming from the perspective of those who are looking at, uh, like yourself, researching fringe communities online, but you know, particularly communities with violent edges, shall we, shall we say, like you mentioned um, some there already, perhaps the Islamist extremist world or the, the extreme right wing world. You know, for, for researchers looking at that, sometimes it can, particularly if you're exposed to violent content on a, on a, on a daily basis, sometimes it can have a negative impact on the research. And I'm just wondering, in this topic, in your experience, I mean, have you come across um, a similar kind of dynamic in, in the, with this um, subject area? And, and if, do you have any tips, I guess, out there in, in terms of how you, how you kind of mitigate issues that might come up in that area as, as a researcher? Yes, I, I think, you know, I've heard researchers talk about the impact of being exposed to this kind of material um, as being, you know, traumatic and very negative. And I can understand that. I guess whatever you use to sort of keep yourself grounded and healthy in normal life, as long as you don't forget that, um, then that's important. Um, there's some, a, a lot of risk actually of, of trolling, of criticism. Um, mm. And sometimes that can feel very threatening. There are certainly, you know, threads about me that I just 
don't read. So if you become a figure that's known in these communities, um, chances are they'll probably catch on pretty quickly. They, they do. And um, then, you know, they will attack you in these ways that, you know, might be more bothersome to some people than others. Uh, as far as like the psychological effects of just being exposed to the material, for me, um, you know, it's it's a pretty subtle kind of pernicious thing that I, I'm not easily bothered by reading dark things, I guess. And I would guess a lot of researchers into this topic probably feel the same way or they wouldn't be drawn to it. Um, but it's important to keep some ground wire, like some kind of compass for yourself that if you begin to feel like maybe you're being deceived or led astray or brainwashed even, that you can think about and that kind of reminds you of your and uh, the other's humanity. Thanks for that. I'm a really uh, useful tips there. I mean, just to finish up on, you know, on, on your podcast really, and um, maybe you could give us a bit of an insight into, you know, your, your future plans for the, for your podcast and, maybe your, your wider uh, future research in this area. Is, have you got any, anything interesting coming up? Well, as I, I plan to keep doing the podcast, um, I, I still am putting out episodes. Um, I have friends from my past life in media and film who have talked about making a documentary or something. I'm not sure how interested I am in that. I've come to like audio only, <laughs> but I plan to continue with that and maybe write about it. And as for research, I actually have worked on some research recently with the organization I mentioned before, um, Parallel Networks, headed by Jesse Morton, and ICSVE with Anne Speckard, where we and the um, administrator of this forum that I mentioned put together a survey. Um, you know, I was only marginally involved in that. That was just kind of a basic demographic survey and to look at in-group and out-group biases and feelings about violence. You know, these are very educated people I was working with, so they knew what they were doing in terms of, of phrasing everything. And the community already sort of um, was conducting internal polls, so it was pretty easy to get a lot of them to, um, to answer the survey, and it's very detailed. So there will be a paper coming out about that at some point uh, soon, and hopefully that can lead to some um, possibility of, I don't know, maybe working with this group in a positive way or um, just understanding them in a way that is more uh, empathetic, you know, less demonizing and can lead to, uh, I guess, interventions or off-ramps. Got it, you understood, yeah. Where are, you, are you on Twitter or anything like that where folks can find out about your podcast? Yeah, so the podcast is available pretty much anywhere where people listen to podcasts. The discussion sort of hub for it is my uh, my podcast Twitter, which is at Incel Project. Excellent. Well, I think that brings uh, this podcast to an end. So thank you now for your time. It's been super interesting, um, you know, listening to your insights uh, on this community. I'm sure for many of our listeners, it's, uh, it's a super useful um, introduction into another um, online community. So thank you once again. It's been Great talking with you, Mark, and uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks, Alma. 
To learn more about how James can support you and your organisation with social media research, email the team at intelligence.unit at james.com.